as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll need a guide, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Time appropriate greetings depending on where in the world, in the country, you are listening to the Schmidt Show podcast today. Thanks for joining me this afternoon or this morning or this evening, like I said, depending on where you are. I am your host, Brad Schmidt, and uh, as you can probably tell, once again, my voice is still not quite 100% back. Um, I have been fighting this yuck for almost three weeks now, and uh, I think I'm on the downhill slide of it. Um, we uh, we uh, finally went to the doctor and got some some uh, some drugs to take care of it. They gave me some antibiotics and some prednisone, and and that seems to have kind of knocked out the the mo- the major portion of it. And so hopefully we're back on track. And I want to start off the day today by asking a couple of questions. And the first one being, um, where have all the cowboys gone? And the second one being, why don't we do something? And those two questions are going to kind of frame the uh, the episode this week because I've been looking through, digging through various articles from all sides of, of the political discussion and the political debate. And one of the things I've noticed is everybody has um, an incredible ability to point out the problems, to point out the, the issues that we are facing in the country. We're facing trade issues because of the tariffs. We're facing um, educational issues because of the failing education system. We're facing all kinds of, of problems in athletics and sports because of the transgender discussion. We're facing uh, all kinds of, of problems with mass murder and um, and mass shootings because of gun control and on and on and on and on the list goes. And, and the problem is though, nobody's really offering any solutions. The, the, the solutions that we're talking about don't actually go anywhere. The, the, the discussion of mass shootings, we keep bringing up, we just need fewer guns. We just need fewer guns, but we seem to forget that there were 300 million guns plus in this country today and yesterday that, didn't kill anybody. And there were, you know, school shootings, right? That's a, it's a huge problem. There's 20 some kids killed in Parkland, Florida last year on, on Valentine's day. And, and it was obviously it's a terrible tragedy, but we seem to forget that that day, 57 million, some children went to school and didn't get shot. But we, for whatever reason, decided to focus on the 27 that did. And, 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 that those are just a couple examples and and I'm not saying that those things aren't tragic I'm not saying it's not bad that kids were shot in school that should be that number should be zero right we would hope that that number would be zero we would hope that no kid would ever go to school and have fear of being shot or have fear of being bullied even or or whatever the issue is like these things should not exist but the reality is we live in a free society here in the US specifically and in order to experience freedom, 
there is a, a a bit of risk, and this is this is true. I mean, just simply look at your own life. As a child, your parents take care of you and feed you and change your diapers and things like that, and and buy you toys and make sure you have a, a roof over your head. You have incredible amounts of security, but very little freedom. You don't get to choose what time you went to bed. You didn't get to choose what you were having for dinner. You didn't get to choose oftentimes when you were little what clothes you wore and and where you went to school and what, you know, who your daycare provider was if you went to daycare. Like you didn't have a whole lot of choices. There's very very little risk, but there was incredible security. For you as a child, so much of your life was taken care of for you. As you grew up, as you got a little bit older, you went to, to you know later elementary school and into middle school, you began to choose your own friends. You began to choose the clothes you wore. And sometimes those choices led to you maybe being bullied, maybe being uh, picked on. Maybe it led to you being the most popular kid in school because you had, you know, the the coolest pair of tennis shoes or you were the first kid with an iPhone or an Apple Watch or, or whatever it was in your class. And, and so the choices that you began to make led to risk. And sometimes the risk paid off. Sometimes the risk was of, of great value. Sometimes the risk was of, uh, at best, maybe... Um, a a dangerous um choice that led to you feeling all sorts of negative consequences. So, and and that continues as you grow up. You went into high school. You got to choose your own friends. You got to make your own decisions. You you had the the liberty or the freedom to to sneak out of your bedroom at night and go hang out with your buddies. You had the liberty of of you know maybe breaking the law and going drinking for the first time. And and those choices again, more freedom, less security, less less um, less structure, but much more. Liberty, and this is no different in the in in any realm of society or any aspect of of culture. We we simply um, we have to kind of choose one or the other. Do we want security or do we want liberty? For me, I choose liberty. I, I'm willing to take the risk of you know, facing the bad guy who might try to mug me or who might try to break into my house. I, I, I am willing to, to allow for that risk if I get to do the things that I want to do, if I get to live the life that I want to live and travel about the country and not have to stay home and protect my, my house every single day to avoid the burglar and not have to, uh, you know, be, uh, on the hook for buying a security system and and paying thousands of dollars in in security system fees and things like that. Like I'm willing to accept a certain amount of risk in order to live a life of liberty. And so these these as we get to start to talking about some of these things the the idea of why don't we do something which is the question we're going to kind of talk about first is it seems to me that it's just easier to talk about the problems. And look, 
I'm guilty. I'm one of those talking heads. You're listening to a podcast where I point out everything that's wrong and tell you what you're supposed to believe about those things, right? I mean, this is a, so I'm I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm not saying you need to get off the couch and go do something. What I'm saying is I need to get off the couch and go do something. I need to be the one to get out and get involved and vote and and be involved in my local political party, regardless of what side of the aisle I'm on. Get out and get involved in the process. You know, maybe even run for, uh, you know, a city dog catcher or even a city councilor or a county commission or something like that. Get out and be a part of the the local uh, Republican Party or Democrat Party or Libertarian Party, get involved and become an officer in these parties and help find candidates that we support and 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 get involved in the process. So I, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not just pointing out that you all need to be more like me because the reality is, if I'm honest, I probably need to be more all like you because a lot of you that listen to the podcast probably are already politically involved in in one way or another. And I'm not talking about going on Facebook, going on on Twitter or or you know YouTube videos and commenting and 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 those sorts of things. That's not being politically engaged. That's just being. American, you know, social media addict. That's that's not being politically engaged. Posting a a reposting a meme or reading an article from Salon or from the Daily Wire, you know, depending on your political bent. That's and and posting it on your Facebook page and sharing it with your friends. That's not being politically engaged. That's not being politically involved. That's just you know, spreading your opinion farther, which is certainly, of course, part of it, but it's it's got to be more than that. It's got to be, you know, putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak. If you don't want to get involved and don't want to run for office, then then take the time and donate to to a campaign and get involved in in you know door knocking or handing out literature or uh, you know even donating your money. To you know, instead of you know buying that that uh, that Starbucks every morning on your way to work, save that five bucks a day over the course of 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 thirty days, and 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 donate that money to a, a political campaign to to someone you support. Whether it's whether it's Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders, get involved, be a part of the the process, and 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 that's what I read one article it was uh, it was from the American thinker of course I'm I'm a conservative so I lean that direction and and as I started reading the 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 the, um, the article and I'll link it in the in the show notes it was written by Deanna Chadwell I'll link it in the show notes she talked about a professor that she had who 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 gave a definition for culture um, that was he it, the the definition for culture was culture was just one group's way of getting to the waterhole. Um, and she goes on to talking about we can no longer call failing cultures to account, which is true. I mean, we, anybody that's paid any attention to media and political correctness over the last couple of, of decades, I guess, you'll recognize that we, we're not allowed to to criticize cultures anymore, right? Because every culture has value. Every culture is important and all that sort of thing. And the reality is not every culture is important. Some cultures just are terrible. And and she actually points this out in the article. She says some cultures suck, and she gives a couple of 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 uh, 
she gives a couple of examples. She talks about the Eskimo. She says, we're not even, and I'm quoting from the article here. She says, we're not even to flinch when we hear about the Eskimos who set their elderly out on ice floes to drift off into frozen oblivion. We're supposed to be okay with the practice of digging out the permanent teeth of young people in many African tribes. We're not to point out the failures of socialist societies or mention the atrocities of communist regimes. Instead, the influence of Christianity is being erased. Howard Zinn has succeeded in rewriting our history, and Antifa is busy painting over murals and tearing down monuments. Now that, now that uh, I uh, is all true. Uh, I'm not going to argue that. But the 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 question that comes to my mind is, well, then so what? So so what do we do about it? And, and if this is true, then what? Because I, I don't. As a former pastor and a and a man of faith and a person who believes the the uh, the Bible and 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 adheres to Christianity, uh, I've heard this for as long as I've been involved in the church. I mean, I've been going to church since I was a kid, and and I've been hearing the 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 Christian ch- the Christian church is being persecuted in America. Well, first of all, if you believe the Christian church is is being persecuted in America. Um, that's somewhat of a laughable statement. We're, we're facing some, some general discomfort because the media seems to look down upon us, but you want to talk about real persecution, go to China, go to some of these, these Islamic countries in the Middle East, and you'll see what real Christian persecution looks like. I mean, we're talking like Romans feeding Christians to the lions kind of stuff. I mean, what we face in America is 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 not even close to persecution. But the reality is, we we've for some reason we bought into this that oh, Christians are the most persecuted group in in America. No, they're not. Nobody really in America. I mean, you want to talk about real persecution? There isn't anyone. There there isn't a group in the United States that is is facing any sort of persecution. There's a, a gentleman that listens to the podcast here from uh, South Africa, and he's shared some of the stuff that's going on. You want to talk about persecution. There's some genuine persecution going on over there. And, and, and we here in the U.S., we have no comprehension of what real persecution looks like. And yet we write all sorts of articles and produce all sorts of podcasts to talk about how persecuted we are. And, and all these terrible things that are happening to us, yet nobody wants to do anything about it. If, if, the, if the, the Christian church is being so persecuted, why isn't anybody doing anything about it? If we are being erased from history as, as a positive force in history, well then, why aren't we doing anything about it? Why, why, aren't, we, why aren't we getting involved and, and doing something to make it better? Because... I. I writing another article isn't going to fix it because I, I could go, I could produce a, a whole year's worth of podcasts about how the Christian church in the United States is, is struggling, is failing, is, is losing its influence, is being forced out of the, 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 the arena of, of thought is be, I mean, go on. We can, I mean, it, Pick a, a topic. I could I could give you a way or um, uh, an example of how the Christian influence and the the um, 
Judeo-Christian value and Judeo-Christian ethic upon which the country was founded is being pushed out or removed from from that discussion. And and but again, I say, so what? So what do we do about that? I mean, if that's true, what's the what's the solution? I would suggest that the solution is simply either quit being um, quit being. I don't know if overly dramatic is the right word. I don't think that's the right way to say it. But but quit getting into some of the the drama of all of this and simply live the faith that you say you live. Live the life that you say you choose to live because that's a lot of it. And, and this isn't just with Christianity. I'm not beating up on Christians, but uh, you know, we we say we believe these things, right? Regardless of our religious persuasion, regardless of our political persuasion, we say we live these things. We say we believe these values. We say we stand for this certain uh ideology and the reality is we don't we don't we don't even come close to living out what we believe christians say we 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 believe that all people should come to know jesus christ as their lord and savior and and come to a saving knowledge of of who god is and all of those sorts of things yet we never ever go out and share our faith with anybody we go to church on Sunday morning, we sing a few songs, we listen to the pastor give us a sermon and tell us how we can live our lives better. We say, that's great, pastor, we, we're going to do that. And then we go home and we get on the, the computer, we sit down in front of our TVs and watch Netflix or whatever it is we do, and we don't ever do any of the things that we say we stand for. We don't get involved in any of the stuff that we say we believe in. We Republicans, we, we believe in this, we believe in that. We go, we stand for pro-life, we stand for pro-gun, we stand for, I mean, pick a, a, a political issue. And, and we, we do all of these things and we, we, we make grand statements and, and we post a, a picture of a, of a meme or something on Facebook, but we never go out and get involved with the, the NRA. We never go out and get involved with pro-life groups. We never go out and, and find a candidate that needs our support and help them campaign that we know will move our, move our values forward or whatever like we we don't actually do any of the stuff we say we do I brought this up last week when when Noah was here with us the the last line of the declaration of independence you know we we don't I couldn't imagine anyone today uttering those words the 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 idea that uh, pledging your life, your your wealth, your sacred honor I mean I can't imagine anyone on a college campus, uh, you know, some sort of Antifa group or, or, or even some conservative group standing with their friends and writing a declaration of allegiance to a cause, regardless of what the cause is, and, and writing and penning these words and actually meaning them, saying, for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Like that, that, that mentality is lost. I can't imagine anyone in the Democrat party saying these words today in support of the Democrat party because they believe so strongly in what it stands for. I can't, I can't 
see anyone in the Republican Party, certainly not anyone in the Libertarian or the Green or any of the other you know, minor parties, saying, and for the support of this value, and for the support of this ideology, and for the support of this process or, or, or issue, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. I can't see that happening at all. In America today, I can't see it happening honestly anywhere. I, I mean, we're we're beginning to see some of this in in Hong Kong. You know, I mean this this idea that that the world is so broken um, that we'll never survive, or that that the United States is so broken that we'll never survive. Um, if we really believe that, wouldn't we do something differently? I mean, if if I know the the roof of my house is leaking. And I know that I don't fix it. It's going to, you know, ruin the ceiling. It's going to ruin the floor. It's going to, you know, bring mold and whatever in my house. If I know that that's happening, and I believe strongly that it's, that it's going to be a problem, I do something about it. I fix it. And and again, I want to be very clear. I'm not I'm not just pointing fingers at all of you, because I'm as guilty as anybody. I I go on the air every day, three hours a day on my my terrestrial radio show, which you can catch at knoxradio.com if you want to listen to that and hear me interact with callers and things like that more often. Um, But the the reality is I, I, I do that, but I'm not involved in the Republican Party. I was. I got very frustrated with the Republican Party and decided to to withdraw my membership just because of the, the, the pathetic nature of, of the Republican Party in this country. Um, but uh, maybe maybe I need to get back involved. Instead of saying, hey, the Republican Party sucks, maybe I need to say, well, the Republican Party sucks because I'm not a part of it, because I'm not helping lead it, and because I'm not helping determine the direction that the party is going. Maybe because the people like me and the people who believe like me have stepped away. Maybe that's why the Republican Party's in trouble. Maybe that's why the Democrat Party is in trouble. Maybe that's your bent. Maybe you're you're frustrated with your party. Or the Libertarian Party, the Green Party. I mean, pick one. It doesn't really matter. Maybe the reason it's not going in the direction that you think it should be going is because you're not involved. Because you're not the one leading that group of people. Because you're not the one stepping up and saying, hey, enough is enough. That's not what we were founded on. That's not what the the liberal Democrat Party was founded on. That's not what the conservative Republican Party was founded on. That's not what the Libertarian Party was founded on. So I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be a candidate. And if I'm not going to be a candidate, I'm going to be a part of the, the, the apparatus that, that helps select those candidates and fundraise for those candidates. And, and I'm going to give up my Netflix this month, and I'm going to give up my Hulu and my Amazon Prime, and I'm going to take that money, I'm going to invest it into the future of this country, and I'm going to pledge that fortune to those who will stand with me, that we can get these things done, that we can move forward. Instead of writing another article, instead of sharing another post on on social media as to how we are to do these things so we can just sit back and feel better about, well, I did my part. I posted an article. 
And if people just read it, they'll they'll get it. They'll do the things that need to do, and then I won't have to. It's it's the Christian equivalent of I'm not going to Africa to to share my faith and go on a mission trip and and share my faith with the lost lost tribes of Africa. I'll just pay a missionary to do it. I'm not going to follow the great commission of go into the world and make disciples. I'm just going to pay the pastor to do it. I'm going to pay the missionary to do it. That's it's that's the social media posting political memes and articles on social media is the is the the political equivalent of paying a missionary to go out and do the work for you. So that's I guess my rant on on the issue of why don't we do something about it. There's a song by Matthew West. He's a Christian artist, Matthew West. Um, and it's it's about, you know, it's, I think it's Why Don't You Do Something, something like that. I can't remember the name of the song. But um, the the lyrics essentially talk about a guy who's mad at God. You know, and said, well, why, you know, why aren't you curing cancer? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? If you're God, why don't you do these things? And And essentially the response from God is, I did do something. I created you. And and that's the, the reality of the world that we live in. There's a lot of people that could solve a lot of problems if they would just do something. And and again, some of this is 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 me kind of expressing my own guilty conscience. I, I don't know how I, I I don't know if I can be clear enough about that. I am I have been for the last five years on the radio and, and, and the last several years of my life, I've been very good at telling people about what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to believe and what they're supposed to be involved in. But I've not been very good about doing it. I've not been very good about getting involved in being a part of it myself. So um, I'm, I'm, like I said, on, on some levels, I'm simply uh, expressing my own uh, guilty conscience with this, with a rant such as this. So that's, I, I wanted to, uh, to uh, kind of get that off my chest, if we will, if you will. So what I would tell you as you're listening to this, if you're wondering why, you know, Tucker Carlson's on Fox News ranting and raving all night about whatever he's raving about, and Rachel Maddow's on MSNBC, and she's ranting and raving about whatever she's ranting and raving about, and you're frustrated because... You agree with one or the other, or you disagree with one or the other, and you've been doing this for weeks and months and years, and wondering why is it that at the presidential election in 2016, we were arguing about immigration issues, and it's still a problem a couple years later, and why during the 2012 election, we were arguing about immigration issues in the 2008 election. And we were arguing about immigration issues in the 2004 and the 2000 and the 96 and the 92 and the 88 and the 84 and the 80 and on and on. We were arguing and discussing and talking about immigration issues. And here we are 40 years on from the election of Ronald Reagan still arguing about the same issues and debating about the same topics that we haven't made any progress on at all. I would argue that maybe, just maybe, it's because you and your friends 
and people like you and your friends haven't gotten involved and been leading that discussion. 701, uh, that's the phone number for the radio station. I'm, <laughs> I, I, my phone was ringing here and I was going to answer it and, and my cell phone was ringing. I was going to answer it and take a phone call. Um, this is, this is, I get into, to, uh, that's funny. I get into, uh, into, uh, automatic mode sometimes on the radio and, and repeat things that just come out because they become habit. So I apologize for that. Anyway, question number two, I want to get into the second question. Where have all the Cowboys gone? The, um, and I, and I'm not sure I haven't really thought this one all the way through. This is just a, a, a thought that kind of popped up as I was heading over here this morning to, to actually record the, the podcast. But the, uh, the question that, that kind of popped up in my mind was where have all the Cowboys gone? And, and what I mean by that is we used to, in the United States, we used to trust citizen legislators. We used to trust the regular Joe who was a, a dentist, um, a, a meat packing, you know, guy, a butcher. We used to trust farmers. We used to trust uh, all sorts of people from from all walks of lives to be in leadership. We used to trust farmers to go to Washington and make wise decisions about the legislation that was was brought before them and and helped draft legislation that we thought was good for the country. You, we used to trust all sorts of different um, people from all sorts of different areas of the country and industries and things like that. But for some reason now, we've, we've gotten to where we no longer trust in the political realm the, the little guy. And, and, and again, this comes back to, to not living out what we actually believe. We hear this all the time, right? We need, more, we need more regular Joes in office. We need more outsiders in Washington or in, you know, insert state capital here. We need more regular Joes. We need more people who aren't a part of the political establishment involved in, in these things, yet when we have a chance to vote for them, we don't. And and for those who are big Trump guys who believe that Trump is somehow an outsider or um, not part of the establishment, don't kid yourself. Donald Trump's been a part of the establishment um, for decades. Now, he's he might be a little bit of a different flavor of the establishment, and, and I certainly would agree with that, that he's, he's definitely been a, a different... Um, experience than what we're used to uh, as it relates to the political establishment. But um, to to make this claim that somehow Donald Trump is outside of the establishment, that he isn't the the connected and interconnected uh, political figure that he is, is, is naive to say the least. He is most definitely part of the establishment and has been for a long time. But Again, coming back to the the argument that we need more regular Joes, we used to have that. And the reason we don't is because people like you and I don't vote for the regular Joes anymore. And again, this is coming back to kind of expressing my own guilty conscience. In the last election, in the 2016 presidential election cycle, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't vote for any of the establishment candidates. I can't even remember honestly the guy's name. I think he was the he was the uh, the candidate 
who was a part of the Constitution Party. I don't think he was even on the ballot in all 50 states. I think he, he, he was on the ballot in 14 or 15 states. I knew he didn't have a chance of winning. I knew he would never become the next president of the United States. But my conscience said, I can't vote for Donald Trump, and I certainly can't vote for Hillary Clinton. So in good conscience, I had to choose the candidate that I believed was the, was the, the best candidate for the job, regardless of whether or not he would be elected. Regardless of electability, I actually had the the luxury of interviewing the guy. He was very intelligent. He was an older gentleman. I think he was in his late sixties, early seventies, or whatever it was. But um, incredibly intelligent, well spoken, and and was a great candidate. And had he had the backing of the quote unquote establishment, had he had the money that that you know, the Clintons had that the, the Trumps had that the, the Ted Cruz's or the John Kasich's or the whoever had the Bernie Sanders. If he had had their money, he might have been elected because he was the regular Joe that everybody was looking for in Donald Trump, but he wasn't the blowhard, uh, arrogant kind of know-it-all that everybody dislikes about Donald Trump. And so the, the, and and look, I don't, again, I don't know if this is the right answer. I don't know if this is the solution, but I brought this up during the, the uh, 2016 election and the discussion of Trump. I brought up that in 1856, the founding of the Republican party in 1854 uh, is actually where it started. The Republican party was founded in 1854. In 1856, they ran a candidate for the presidency. It was a, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a, he was a nobody. He wasn't ever going to win that election. In 1860, the Republican Party comes along with this guy named Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln becomes the president, and of course, the West is history. And other than Lincoln's successor being a Democrat after Lincoln was assassinated, the Republican Party controlled the White House for the next 70 years minus one, I believe, one presidential uh, candidate. Up until like 1922, I think, was the first. I, I, I don't have all this stuff in front of me, so I'd have to go back and look it up. But essentially, the the Republican Party controlled the White House for 70 years following Lincoln's assassination. And that that Republican Party influenced the direction of this country in ways that we can't even really begin to imagine. Of course, the the modern Democrats want to paint all Republicans as racist, but it was a Republican-appointed judge, a Republican-appointed um, Supreme Court that overturned the 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 a lot of the um, racial segregation laws, and it was a Republican-appointed Supreme Court that did away with a lot of the the racial um, injustices of prior Supreme Courts. And so the argument that I made, because everybody said in 1856, the Republicans can't get elected, just vote with the establishment. We've got to beat the Democrats. We've got to beat the the Tories, the Whigs. The, I mean, pick a party and pick a country. You know, we've we've got to beat these people. It's more important to beat these people than to stand for what is right. And I would argue it was more important in 1856 for the Republican Party to stand against slavery 
and keep fighting the fight against slavery because in 1860, they won. And they defeated slavery and the institution of slavery in the United States. Now, it didn't go away overnight, obviously, and we still obviously just struggle with and, and deal with issues of racism today in the United States. I don't think it's quite as pervasive or prevalent as many on the left would have you believe, but it's there. And so the, the loss that the Republican Party suffered in 1856 was believed at the time to be the end. You know, and, the, and I think it was still the Whigs at the time were, were the other party. And the Democrats won in 1856. And that was the end. The, you know, the Republican Party, they made their run. They're never going to see any uh, importance ever again. They tried. They failed. Oh, well, let's get back to doing the establishment thing. And the establishment said, see, we told you so. We told you these crazy right-wing Republicans were never going to do anything. You should have voted for us. And he should have voted for the for the I think it was the Whigs should have voted for the Whigs because now we have a Democrat president. But eighteen sixty comes along and Lincoln wins, and the Whig Party disappeared, never to be heard from again. So maybe what we need right now is a new Republican Party, a new Democrat Party, and we need to say, you know what? Screw the establishment. And, and, and I don't care if we—would it have been better? And I don't know if it would have been or not. I, I don't, probably not. But would it have been better to have four years of Hillary Clinton so that we could get another 70 years of a party that moves this country in a positive direction? Would it have been better to lose the, 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 the election— and for four years, struggle through whatever we struggle through so that the next 70 years can be influenced in the right direction. And maybe if you're a Democrat, maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe the ne- this four years of struggling through Donald Trump is going to be the thing that ushers in the next 70 years of the ideology that you believe will move the country in the right direction. And that may be true. But the reality is, unless you get involved, unless you become a part of the process, you won't. And stop electing the next best politician and start electing the next best leader. And again, like I said, I, I don't know I don't know if I have all the answers on this. And 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 I'm pointing out, like I said, kind of illustrating my own guilty conscience here, because I've been as guilty as anybody. And and the, the finger that I'm pointing at you just means there's three more pointing back at me. So just my rambling thoughts on a Tuesday morning. And I hope it encourages you, inspires you to go out and get involved in your local party, in your local community, regardless of where it's at. Maybe you're the one that's going to start the revolution and move your city, county, state, country in the right direction for the next 70 years. I'm Brad Schmidt. This has been the Schmidt Show Podcast. We'll see you next week.